Welcome, Chloe, to an episode of Hot Sauce. Really excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Mike. Me too. Now, your background is really impressive. You work for some very serious companies um, in... You Sorry, I don't want to ham it up too much, but I really like seeing the career progression, particularly people mm. that come from agency. Like, I spent many a year in agency at Robert Half. I, yeah. I see that you did the Hudson thing and... Yeah. Often it can be really hard, particularly when you did it. I feel not many people were making that transition from agency into in-house when you did it. It's obviously quite popular in, in the recent kind of run-up bull market that we had. A lot of people were being um, uh, poached out of agency into in-house mm. roles. But it wasn't really a thing when you did it. What made you make the jump? I was in agency for about four years and I'm Irish, so I was on a visa. I absolutely love my time in agency, but I felt like it was very much tip of the iceberg work that I was doing. I was never able to learn more about businesses or I'd make a hire and that was it. You just move on to the next. It's You put their name on your board, you ring a bell. The commission's great, obviously. But I just I wanted to learn more and I felt like my learning had kind of gotten to the point where I couldn't go a few layers deeper. And I just wanted to do something a little bit different after four years in agency. And it's funny because in agency they always talk about going internal as going on to the dark side or going yeah. over to the dark side. And I said, well, look, I, at that point I'd got my permanent residency. I said, look, I'll give it a go. If I don't like it, I can always go back. I had incredible relationships with the team I was working with at Hudson. And I was introduced to Nick Ingle, who's now co-founder of The Lab 17, who was about to move to safety culture. And through my network, I got introduced to him. He had said... I'm joining this cool new startup. It's called Safety Culture. I was like, doesn't sound very sexy. But, you know, he was like, hear me out, hear me out. And the office is in Townsville. Yeah, yeah, literally. Also not particularly sexy. Absolutely. He's like, but they've just raised their Series B funding. They're about to go through hyper growth. We're looking for a TA to work on all their engineering roles. At that time, there was about 10 engineers. And I said, yeah, look, sounds fun. Sounds like it's going to be something exciting. And it absolutely was. It was probably still two of the best years of my career awesome and then you end up yeah you've, you've um followed nick i guess did you kind of stay in touch over the course of the years and then when he, yeah. him and simon started up the lab 17 you joined yeah. not long after so we got into that point where we'd grown the company to about 350 and it had gone through series c and there were just a different set of challenges. So Nick and Simon started the Lab 17. They decided to move on from safety culture to do this because they absolutely loved that phase of growth. And we used to always say when we were hiring for safety culture, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could send these candidates who just weren't quite right for us somewhere else or when people were ready to move on to safety culture? So that was the premise of the Lab 17 in terms of this is a niche area, especially within Australia. There's not a lot of companies at that point who had gone through that kind of hyper growth and they wanted to set up the lab 17 in order to help the ecosystem you know with the resources the talents like just people who've been there done that and knew the type of talent that you need to attract into startups and scale-ups but I had the opportunity to move across to LA and through my network someone reached out to me and said oh we've um Cloud Kitchens it's a company that's uh, set up by Travis Kalnick, ex-founder of Uber. And I said, I need to hear this out. Obviously, he's had some massive success. 
Um, I was definitely on the startup buzz at that point and I decided, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have a chat. The role wasn't quite right in Australia and then I spoke to the recruiter's manager over in LA and he was like, darling, you need to come to LA. This is where we're hiring all of our engineers. <laughs> So I said, you know what, at that point I'd have my, I got my citizenship and it was really easy for Australians to get sponsorship visas for the US. So I said, yeah, look, I'll give that a go. And again, that was just completely different scale out of this world, but I was really missing Australia. So I got back in touch with Nick. I said, how's the lab going? There were three of them at that point. He said, yeah, there's a, there's a spot here for you if you want to come and, and join the party. And I saw, and um, check out your LinkedIn profile and some of your recommendations. Lots of um, reference to process and candidate experience. Uh, a lot of them um, was in the safety culture days that mm-hmm. like never seen somebody recruit as fast as Chloe. Um, her care for candidates and, and thinking about the experience and, and also like the scalability of that was mm. a high priority. So that's something like, did you bring that with you from agency or is that something you developed in safety culture? I think I developed that prior. So when I went to uni, I studied social science. So I've always been very people orientated. I've always been, um, I've always had very high empathy. And when I was in agency, I was always so focused on the candidates. And I'd build up really strong relationships and I'd call them when I'd say that I'd call them. Like just these things that you think are a no brainer, but so many recruiters don't do because in agency, your candidates unfortunately most of the time have a dollar sign over their head and if that recruiter doesn't think that they're able to you know make something from that candidate maybe they're not going to give them the best experience but I always made sure that I did ensured that I was building my network so I was able to like place candidates multiple times for example so then when I moved in safety culture I really brought that with me but then there was a pivotal moment at that point where my dad was actually made redundant and He was in his late 50s. He was a stockbroker. He'd been in that role for 15 years or something. And he was telling me what his experience was like with recruiters at the time. And I just got so frustrated. And I was like, people don't understand. Like, they put everything into interviews. They do so much preparation. The nerves, everything that goes in to an interview. And because as TAs, we just do this day in, day out. We sometimes stop, don't stop to think about that so that really helped me to reinforce that for myself and from my team and even to this day I don't I'm not as hands-on with recruitment as I used to be but even to this day I was speaking to a lead data engineer candidate last week for Leica and he said Chloe thank you so much for just letting me know where I'm up to in this interview process I said the, man, the hiring manager is out for the next three days. I'm not going to get back to you until Monday, but I'll speak to you then. If, does that work? He was like, yeah, absolutely, that's fine. And then when I followed up on Monday, he was like, oh, thank you. Thanks so much for calling me today. I'm like, there must just be still so many TAs and recruiters out there. that, And I get it, like, we're very time poor. But it's just so important for that first experience with a company just to make sure that just say, do what you say and say what you do. Um, and just, yeah, do, do what you can to give that person a great experience because it is, it's tough. And do you have any other tips beyond the, the comms piece around how you can create like a beautiful, memorable, candid experience? Yeah, so a lot of the work that we do is headhunting. We, have, we pride ourselves on our network because we've worked 
with so many different companies within this space. They absolutely, um, you know, a lot of the candidates that we're working with absolutely love the startup space. Um, and there's a lot of times, you know, I'll speak to one person who's not quite right for that company, but I'll, I'll come back to them. Um, but the first thing, or I guess the first way that we usually interact with a candidate is when we reach out to them on LinkedIn or through, um, you know, something like Attract AI or, or something else where we first have that introduction. And again, we put such a massive emphasis into that first message. It's absolutely not a spray and pray. We will start by mapping the market. For example, I worked on a CMO role with Athena Home Loans last quarter. And we start before we reach out to anybody, we map the market, we understand who have we actually got in this space, who has got the right amount of experience, who um, we should reach out to. And then we share that um, long list or those profiles with um, the hiring manager. So in this case, it was with the CEO and the founders of Athena. We said, okay, we want more of this, less of this. Perfect. So at least we know now, once we start to reach out to candidates, the hiring manager has already um, kind of said, yes, this is the, the shape of or type of profile that we want. And then the first message, of course, we always try to have, you know, a, a subject line that's going to stand out. So usually it's Australian startup, series B round funding, CMO role or lead data engineer role. Leica is growing. Do you like dogs? Something like that. These are the, the partners <laughs> that we work with. Yeah. But then in that message, you have a very short amount of time to ap- actually capture that candidate's attention. And as you mentioned, a lot of the times they're not actually looking for a new role. So I put myself in their position and I say, well, I absolutely love my role, but what is it that's going to stand out to me if someone were to reach out to me? And it's about giving them as much information as possible so they can easily make that decision. So we put in in that message things like, this is why I'm reaching out to you. I saw this in your profile, etc. Some of those kind of standard customized things. But one thing that we did start to do a few years ago, we'd started to work with a partner called Quiller. Uh, Great Q- company. W-I-L-R. Company. Yeah. And yeah. we started to play around because we absolutely love their tool. So we got introduced to them and they have a proposal tool and it's really really beautiful so we said well why don't we use their tool to demonstrate to candidates what quiller do and they had all of these made and we started to play around with it and while we were reaching out to candidates on linkedin we'd send them this link to a quiller so they could see what quiller did it's like inception and um <laughs> uh we adopted that for all of our partners and now we have Laura in our marketing team who is absolutely phenomenal. Anytime we start a new partnership, our first week is getting to really understand you know, the organization, why a candidate would join, what's the important information because as you, if I were to reach out to you and say, Mike, I've got this role that I'd love to chat to you about at Leica, you'll start doing your own research but everything from their marketing perspective, it's for a small company especially, it's not going to really be around EVP or employer brand. It's going to be very much around how they're marketing to their customers. So for us, we work on the EVP part and build their brand in a Quiller doc. So in these messages, when we reach out to candidates on LinkedIn, we always say, here's Leica in two minutes. Here's Athena in two minutes. So this candidate can now see everything that we want to show them in this Quiller doc, 
We use all of our partners' branding and their color themes, uh, their tone, their language. We, we move through this pretty quickly in our first week, but we get marketing to sign off just to make sure everything's correct and we've got the right funding and you know the right people in there. Um, and that is something that has really, really helped us. And we've had so many candidates come back just saying, wow. Some, and a lot of them are like, we don't open these much, that these types of um, emails much, but... Um, but when you know they they do see these things that they're, they're really really impressed because all the information is right there for them and they can scroll through this beautiful doc that has kind of you know been made specifically for them and they are beautiful this like a document like yeah how how could you not yeah so, so you can see with this one we've got all of Leica's brand colors we've got the um the youtube video to explain exactly what Leica do um, their mission, their vision, the why, all about their funding, their staff. So from a candidate... And lots of doggy pics. Oh, absolutely, of <laughs> course. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Um, but as you can see, as you scroll through here, if you hadn't heard of Leica before, you might think, oh, I think they're, you know, um, within the dog food space or pet wellness. But as you can see, as you scroll through here, it's so much more. Um, and this is the founder, Anna, and it tells a bit about the story, um, you know, exactly the, uh, the kind of the history of the organization, but then starts to talk about, well, this is the opportunity. This is what's going to get you excited. Like you've got here, like pet insurance, they want to move into cats. They want to start looking into IOT. I'm looking for a lead data engineer at the moment. who's going to start to build this data platform, which is going to set us up for machine learning. So there's so many things that is going to get a candidate, the right candidate, of course, excited, which means for us, once we do get on that call with them, they've got a lot of this information and it's saving us about 10 minutes. We'll still take them through the pitch and our story and tell them a little bit more, but hopefully they've got this high level understanding. Um, and yeah, as you can see here, we've got their it's values. It's encompassing. Like, yeah. my law, this is yeah, really <laughs> a lot. And, and you could, like, using Leica as an example, I'd imagine, like, if you're a lead data engineer, you probably get circa 150 messages a day. <laughs> <laughs> Thereabouts. Uh, yeah. And, and then, like, if you're busy and you get a message and you click and it's Leica, it's like, oh, I don't know about them, Google, dog food. You'd be like, dog food? It's that, like, e-com? Like, uh, yeah. Whatever. And then you, you miss the op. Whereas here mm -hmm. you can control the narrative and speak very directly and um, rather than them kind of inferring information from a bunch of random sources. Yeah, that's exactly it. And as I said, the feedback that we get on these is phenomenal. It's and so cool. I want to work at Lacquer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, they have an absolutely awesome team that we've been able to play a big role in helping to develop. So cool. And, and so... Have you got any data like that that communicates the value beyond like people commenting that like it was a nice yeah. experience? Are you getting more conversions, more interviews, more hires, better quality of hire? Yeah, what what kind of data have you got to support that? Yeah, so when I started to look into the stats and Quiller shows you everything, they show you exactly how much time each person has actually spent on each slide within this. So you can really refine it because it's more for a proposal. It's a proposal doc or a proposal deck. Really, really important data. So when I started to look into the analytics of this, there were more than 800 views on this doc. 
And we started to look at the data. So we've been working with like, a, we've just ticked over six months now. And we've probably filled around 25 roles within that time. So if you think about the outreach that we would do, and again, outreach isn't the sole focus for us when we're looking for candidates. We rely on our network. We are trying to get referrals. There's obviously applicants, etc. cetera. Um, but overall, we've probably sent about 2,000 in-mails. So to have over 800 views on this that's almost a one in two yeah it's a good click through right and sure. even if people have viewed it a couple of times well then it's probably a one in three <clears throat> which i think is pretty phenomenal for sure and, and do, do you have any of the um, further downstream bits in terms of how i well i guess like you got two thousand into 800 opens into 25 hires so yeah that, that's moving through nicely and, and then even mm. like worst case if you're not generating the hire of the interview you've planted the seed so the next time the person comes to market they're like oh yeah. man that dog food company looked really great so there's all this kind of like long tail opportunity that you, that likely won't be realized for months or years to come mm-hmm. yeah we're also marketing <laughs> yeah. so it, like i mean there's there's even been candidates that i've spoke to for like specifically who have said hadn't heard of you before hope I get this role but if I don't I've just signed up for Leica and they're getting <laughs> their first go back to Leica and you're like, like, excuse me <laughs> yeah use Chloe 20 <laughs> for my referral code <laughs> no uh, absolutely we actually should do that that's awesome that's and, 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 and the customers that you you build this for I'd imagine they are just like blown away where typically like they, they would just kind of get like random CVs flicked at them in like a traditional contingency model or, or that's unfair to contingency models, lazier contingency recruiters. Yeah. Whereas this it's like strategy and collateral and, and then output and, mm-hmm. and then outcomes. Yeah. We found the more we refine these, the strong, like the better the, uh, the better the conversations are, the higher the quality the conversations are. And it means we need to do less screening calls. It means then the candidates are really well vetted that are going through to our hiring managers. And it means that we're just moving through that entire process a lot quicker. Because what we could do is not use something like this, send a lot more messages, cast the net wide, having spent a lot of the time, sorry, a lot of our time on, a, on the phone to people just explaining what Leica do. Um, whereas this way, they've got a really good understanding about the business. They're already excited by the time that they get on the phone. And that's one of the things that's really important. Thank you very much. Thank very you. cool conversation. Thank you for sharing the Quilla Docs. Um, I can't wait till one of them lands in my inbox with a job offer. Very excited. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be keeping refreshing my LinkedIn tab this afternoon. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing so many interesting insights and stories. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Mike.